Jesus Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Heavenly Father, we are here this morning to worship you. I pray as we now turn from singing songs, bringing your name, honor, and glory, that we can open up your word and bring honor and glory still to the name of Jesus because of the work that you have done for us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, a lifetime warranty actually goes a really long way as it gives the consumer peace of mind. When you go to buy a product and that product has a lifetime warranty stamped on it, you can walk away with peace of mind knowing that this product is guaranteed. La Crusette cookware, their average pot or pan runs about $350. Now you would say that's expensive, however, all of their cookware comes with a lifetime guarantee. That old Jansport backpack that maybe some of you wore to high school, maybe some of you purchased a Jansport backpack for your grandchildren or your children for them to take to school, well, rest assured, no matter how old it is, it still has a lifetime warranty. You can send it in to be repaired, replaced, or even refunded. A 230-piece craftsman tool set will set you back about $100, but the important thing is it's backed by a lifetime warranty. And Craftsman actually takes their lifetime warranty pretty seriously. And a man in California actually tested their lifetime guarantee on their tool set. He received his grandfather's old rusted out tool set, took it to a Sears, there was a Sears at this time, and they refused to warranty the rusty old tool set. Well, he took it upon himself to write a letter to Craftsman himself explaining that Sears wasn't going to take back the tool set or refund him his money or just honor the lifetime warranty. And the vice president of Craftsman Tools said this, Craftsman Tools have a heritage of performance and trust. I want to assure you and your readers we stand behind the warranty. Complete satisfaction, period. He assured the man that he had communicated with Sears Sales Associates to rectify the error. L.L. Bean, some of you have heard of L.L. Bean. Their boots, lifetime warranty. This is crazy. Up until 2018, they don't do it anymore, but up until 2018, it didn't matter if you were the original owner or not. They would replace any of their boots that you sent to them, even if you didn't have the original receipt. I believe the conclusion is obvious, church. A lifetime warranty should guarantee the consumer peace of mind. Corporations give lifetime warranties to their products to give the consumer that peace of mind. Brothers and sisters, 
God has guaranteed us peace of mind too. He has guaranteed us a lifetime warranty. Through Jesus, the guarantor of a better covenant. Because after all, if Sears can guarantee sockets that are rusty, think about what God can do for us who are rusty, crusty, musty, and fussy. And when I thought about that, I thought about individuals. So there are those of you in this congregation who I would say are fussy, smell musty. No, I'm joking. A few of you guys are rusty, though. This is why we've titled today's sermon, Eternal Guarantee. Eternal Guarantee. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 7 where we find this lifetime warranty or our eternal guarantee. Chapter 7 starting with verse 20 this morning. Last week we must not forget that we were encouraged to know that Jesus is a forever priest. We were enlightened regarding the tabernacle. The tabernacle and Levitical priesthood which actually foreshadowed Jesus. When we look back to that period in time in the Old Testament, we should understand that ultimately Jesus was being foreshadowed. After all, Jesus, and we cannot forget, he is our salvation and he is our lone and only connection to God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father without going through Jesus first. Today, let's embrace Jesus, the guarantor of a better covenant. That covenant is the covenant of salvation, a.k.a. the gospel, the good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So without any more being said, let's get into our text and see exactly what God's word has for us as it pertains to our eternal guarantee. And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens." He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Amen. These eight verses into one simple sentence looks just like this. Faith in God's grace guarantees eternal salvation. 
Faith in God's grace guarantees eternal salvation. I find the word permanent to be rather ironic. See, when something's ironic, it basically means it's a word that conveys a meaning opposite to its literal meaning. That's why I find the word permanent ironic, because really, is there anything on this earth that is really, truly uninterrupted, unchangeable, endless, everlasting, and or forever? Do we find anything on this earth today that we could say is uninterrupted, unchangeable, endless, everlasting, or forever? No. Some of you ladies know how unpermanent a permanent can be. Amen to that, right? Every four to six months, you have to go back to the salon and get that permanent. Every other week, or at least every week, you need to get that roller set done to make that perm look good again. You know, you put the rollers in, you back comb it. I can do that for you if you would like. Some of you may think I'm joking, but no, I have done my fair share of permanence and roller sets in my day. Even a permanent that we call a permanent isn't really permanent. Just like permanent marker is not really permanent, nothing on this earth is actually permanent, which is the reason why I find the word to be ironic in the way in which we use it today. Even the internet isn't permanent. We think it's forever on the internet. The internet's not even permanent. A hard drive, a regular hard drive on a computer lasts four years. A solid state drive on a computer lasts an average of 10 years. That is far from being forever. Brothers and sisters, there is only one who is permanent. There is only one who is forever, as our text says here today. The one, a.k.a., who holds his priesthood permanently. On second thought, this is the one lone example where the word permanent isn't so ironic after all. And we observe the forever permanent priesthood of Jesus in verses 20 through 25. First and foremost, that word priest, we need to define the word priest. We need to understand what this word means before we move on. See, priest represents man before God. That's the priest's role. It represents mankind before God. This is the reason why sacrifices for reconciliation happened in the tabernacle that we went over last week. The priestly role of Jesus supersedes the priesthood of man. And we saw that that was true, especially when we realized that the priesthood of Levi was only a foreshadow of what Jesus was ultimately going to do on the cross because his priesthood is based on a one-time sacrifice. Jesus was one and done with his sacrifice. The priesthood of man was continuous. Daily sacrifices had to be made. And this is why verse 22 says, Jesus, the guarantor of a better covenant. Through Jesus, God has guaranteed us a lifetime warranty. 
Through Jesus, God has offered us an eternal guarantee. Remember that eternal opportunity to listen to Joe play forever. Salvation is an eternal guarantee. It's a better covenant. It's a better covenant because it's a covenant based on grace. Grace is a gift. It is in our name. We are Villa's Grace Church. God has shown us favor that we do not deserve. That's what grace is. Your faith in Jesus was a gift given to you. You did nothing to earn it. Jesus' priesthood is permanent. His sacrifice can never be undone. Jesus will bear the scars of his sacrifice on his wrists, above his feet, for all of eternity. That's right. For all of eternity, we will be able to see the sacrifice that Jesus committed through these scars, we will be reminded because Jesus died the perfect sacrifice. And this is the reason why Jesus and His sacrifice was one and done. It was a one-time transaction. It is our faith in that sacrifice that will allow us to forever see what He did for us. Isn't that amazing? God chose to forever bear the scars in order to be in relationship with us forever. Brothers and sisters, this life that we live now is very short and very uncertain. I can guarantee you that. The rest of your day today is uncertain. I don't care what you think you have planned. When it comes down to it, the rest of your day is not even guaranteed. Eternity, on the other hand, is forever. It is not short. And eternity, on the other hand, is certain. Be certain about your salvation. Because let's face it, there are those of us here today who aren't. Maybe you still question, am I really, truly saved? Be certain in your salvation. Now, you're asking that question, how? How can I know that I'm being certain in my salvation? What is it that I need to be doing in order to make sure that this certainty is in fact a certainty here, that I'm actually believing, that I'm actually leaning upon? See, I think it's really quite simple, and it's all about attitude. And we need to possess the correct attitude. And the attitude is just like this. We need to have the attitude that God helps those who cannot help themselves. Some of you may remember some months ago we did the sermon series, Does the Bible Really Say? 
And that was one of the things that we tackled. Does the Bible really say God helps those who help themselves? No, the Bible does not say that. But in fact, the Bible does tell us that God helps those who cannot help themselves. If you know that you cannot help yourself, then you will need to rely upon Jesus. Salvation is not self-help. Salvation is not life advice or tips and tricks on how to get through this or that. It's for the lost. Salvation is for those perishing. According to this better covenant that we see in the text, it's the covenant of grace again. The gift, the unmerited favor that God has shown us. According to this better covenant, what are we being saved from? What is it that we're actually being saved from? Because I think that's a fair question for us to ask at this point. Why is it that God was willing to bear the scars for all of eternity? What is it that he's truly saving us from? And I think too many people claim to be Christians, but they get this wrong. See, God's really saving us from his wrath and his judgment. God's saving us from his punishment of sin. See, holiness and sinfulness cannot coexist. And God is first and foremost holy. We know that this is true from John 3.36. God's words tells us this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Church, unless you come to a saving faith in Jesus, the wrath of God remains on you. You were born with the wrath of God on you. You were a marked man or woman from the day of your birth. Brothers and sisters, do you recognize what's going on? Truly? Because most people would say that's harsh. How dare you say harsh things that the Bible says, but that's reality. But when I hear these things in God's word, when I hear that I was destined for God's wrath from my birth until Christ intervened in my life, I'm okay with it because that's not what I'm really hearing. What I'm really hearing is this. I'm hearing that the love of God has saved me, has saved us from the wrath of God. The love of God is manifested in Jesus. God in human flesh because that's who Jesus is. And in order to take on human flesh, he had to forever be scarred for all of eternity. And what God did to Jesus on that cross was nothing less than exhausting his complete entire wrath on himself. And he did this one time for us. That is the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid. The permanent work of Jesus, as it says here in the text, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. That word uttermost should be convicting to all of us because that 
word leads us to believe that Jesus and his sacrifice covered our capacity to sin. Now think about that. That same capacity that you have to sin is the same capacity that Adolf Hitler had to sin. Jesus and his sacrifice covered it all one time. Draw near to God. We talked about that last week. We talked about using Jesus as an anchor like a boat uses an anchor so the boat doesn't drift away. Use Jesus as an anchor in your life so you don't drift away from the Lord. Enter into God's presence through Jesus. And we can do this when we know, we can do this when we receive, and we can do this when we respond. And we talked about this last week as well. Know your need for salvation. Know your capacity to sin. Receive God's wrath. Receive his wrath. But receive his wrath through the grace that he's extended to you. Receive his wrath through Jesus. The only way you'll ever survive God's wrath and judgment is through Christ. And then respond to Jesus. This is the Christian walk. It's our response. It's not what we don't do, but rather what we do. Too often, we get it wrong. We think walking with Christ is all about don't do this, don't do that. It's foolishness. It's foolishness. And shame on you if you accuse somebody of not being a Christian because something that they do or don't do. Mainly what they don't do. They don't abstain from that or this or whatever it is. That's not walking with Christ. Walking with Christ is all about what we do do. And what I mean by that is this. When sin is brought to your attention, when you are being convicted by your sinfulness, how do you respond? Do you respond in repentance? Because our Christian walk is more about that. What did Jesus say in the beginning of Mark? From the very beginning, he started telling the people, believe and repent. Believe in your lifetime warranty. Believe in that eternal guarantee and continually learn how to repent. And just like Mike Schifoni was telling us today and encouraging us today in sanctification, it is an ongoing process. None of us have arrived yet. So shame on you for acting like you have. So let's wrap these six verses into one sentence with all this being said. These verses tell me this. The permanent priesthood of Jesus forever holds our eternity together. Thank goodness we don't hold our eternity together. But the forever, the permanent priesthood of Jesus holds our eternity together. Again, our main idea stated this this morning, or states this. Faith in God's grace guarantees eternal salvation. 
The world's largest bridge, or longest bridge, is 102 miles long. It is the Dan Yang Kunshan Bridge. 102 miles long. That is a long bridge. It's basically a viaduct that connects China with Beijing, Shanghai. Connects a high-speed railway system. And it's considered to be one of the modern engineering marvels of our day. I would say so. To be able to construct a bridge this long, that is a modern engineering marvel. But brothers and sisters, if you think a 102-mile-long bridge is quite the distance, consider Jesus as our bridge. Consider the separation. Consider how we were already marked for God's wrath, the separation of God's holiness and our sinfulness. This bridge has nothing on that type of gap. A gap like that could only be filled by Jesus, and he has connected us to God, gapping an unfathomable distance of spiritual separation. And we see this in our final set of verses, verses 26 through 28. Jesus, as it says here, is our high priest who is holy, innocent, and unstained. This causes him to be separated from sinners. Remember, the love of God has saved us from the wrath of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is exalted above the heavens, yet he is still available to his sheep. Exalted above the heavens, but yet he is still making himself available to us daily. Because he became the sin in which he did not know he was able to accomplish this. His sacrifice for the sin of the world was, in fact, as we've already stated, one and done. He will bear those scars, as we've already stated, for the rest of eternity. Because he was the perfect sacrifice. We get new resurrected bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that. We get new resurrected bodies in eternity. So what that means is we can kind of do some math and maybe try to figure this out. If Jesus was sacrificed at about the age of 33, that means we will all look like we did when we were 33 years old. We will be in our prime. That means when Joe's playing for us in eternity, he's going to be a 33-year-old spry version of himself. While our Lord and Savior will have those scars. Brothers and sisters, isn't the eternal resolve of Jesus amazing? When you think about it, when you start thinking in these types of terms, When you start thinking along the lines that when you one day have that opportunity to physically meet Jesus, you're going to be able to see his scars because he received God's wrath 
The wrath that you deserved because of his love? He offered up himself in divine strength because man was just too weak. That's why he did what he did. Which is why verse 28 states, For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. Again, the priesthood of Levi only foreshadowed the work eventually done by Jesus. So as Joe comes up here and joins me, not like a 33-year-old, take your time. You love me, don't you, Joe? Joe, he gets away with his comments during the week. I get away with mine in front of everybody else. Think about the Old Testament high priests. They would wear two ephods, six names on each, representing the 12 tribes. This was representing them carrying the men of Israel into the tabernacle. Yeah, they had a heart for the people, but they didn't have the strength to actually carry all of Israel in. Jesus put all of humanity on his back because he wasn't weak. He had the divine strength to do what he was commissioned to do by God the Father. And I'm sure many of the priests had a heart for the people. There's no question about that. But it is abundantly clear that they didn't have the strength. Brothers and sisters, the question for us is this. Who was our bridge daily? Who is our bridge? The spiritual gap between sinful man and the one true holy God is just so unfathomable. Therefore, we have got to know. We have got to know who Jesus is. We have got to receive him in his grace. But we also need to respond by drawing near to God through Jesus who is the only one that can fill the gap of our spiritual separation. And it's through Jesus that the love of God saved us from the wrath of God. In essence, what we're trying to say is this. Only Jesus can bridge the spiritual gap between sinful man and God. Only Jesus can bridge the spiritual gap between sinful man and God. Again, our first point stated this this morning. The permanent priesthood of Jesus forever holds our eternity together. And finally, one last time, our main idea that summarizes all of these verses stated this. Faith in God's grace guarantees eternal salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just so thankful and delighted to be able to get into your word, to allow your truth to be an encouragement to us. I pray that you can use us as a body of believers to do this publicly, not only here in our villas community, but also, Lord, use us as we even expand beyond the reaches of this community. Each and every one of us have opportunities daily to do just that. 
I pray that we draw upon your strength in order to do so. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.